0: Everybody, it's good to be back with you. Been a couple Sundays. Bring you greetings from the Minneapolis St. Paul Church of Christ, and also the Moscow Church, as well as the uh, leaders from Samara, Kazan, and Nizhny Novgorod said they love you, they miss you, and want to come visit again. Uh, today we're going to talk about overcoming the blaws, B L A. H. S. You know, you say, who's this for? Well, if you're really excited right now because next weekend you get an extra hour of sleep, then you need this sermon. If you did not realize that next weekend you get an extra hour of sleep, then you really, really need this sermon If you are pumped up, spiritually energized and can't understand why this sermon would need to be preached, then you're awesome and keep doing what you're doing. But I promise you, as you live the Christian life, you will find yourself needing a lesson like this multiple times, sometimes a week, certainly a month, definitely a year. Um you just get those moments where you kinda hit a wall and you're like, Yeah and life becomes like the Charlie Brown teacher. All your influences wah 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 you're like, Yeah, you know, call it what you want, it's whatever mode, yeah, whatever. Okay, whatever. You know, I'm bored. I'm How's school? I'm bored. You know, I used to tell my sons that was their standard answer, and that's why I said it's called school and not playtime. It's supposed to be boring. You get your education there, and then playtime's after you get out. But in life, we want to be energized. We want to be excited. I mean, nobody says, I, I can't wait to wake up. I hope I'm really bored all day. Tomorrow, my goal: complete lack of motivation. If I can just get that down for Monday, I will be cranking. No it's never The blahs are never a goal. We just kind of end up there most of the time. We don't even know why. We don't know what happened the day before that got us to this moment in time, and sometimes we had a really amazing, energized, fantastic. Day before and then we wake up and the demon of no good reason has attacked us. I don't know if he visited your home um, lately, but, you know, David got visitations by that. You know, in the Psalms, he's like, my soul, why are you downcast? David's discouraged. He's got the blaws. He doesn't know why he's self-talking, trying to figure out what's going on. So overcoming the blahs, you know, I just went to Russia, as I said. And I'll give you an example of a group of people that have the blahs. Now, it's not Russians. It's Russian immigration agents. Okay? They're young, military, uniform. And I have not found an exception to this yet. You hand your passport. You don't get a smile. You rarely get eye contact. And then they look at it. And they look up at you. Don't say anything. Then they look down. Depending on which airport, the technology, Moscow is very modern. So they scan it and do all that. Nizhny Novgorod, not so much. And then he looked at me and he said, so I took my glasses off. And he goes, so I go. You stand there, having no idea. He asked me one question. Why Vienna? said, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Newark, Vienna, Moscow. Okay. Stamped <laughs> my passport and gave it to me. That was it. That was my whole interrogation. And, uh, you know, I was like, you should welcome me to your country. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to see my friends. You are representing Russia. My brother, Sergei, is on the other side of that wall over there, and I can't wait to see him. I'm excited. But he wasn't as excited to see me. You know, and sometimes that's how life is. You're you're kind of excited about something, and then, and then uh, you're just kind of. Uh. Mike still reminds me of a time when he came to visit me in Toronto, and there was a baptism in the campus ministry, and you know everybody's singing songs and excited. And I he said, "I trust him." I probably said this. There's things he said I said that I didn't. This one I think I did. Um, but. In the middle of the song, I go, All the angels are rejoicing, and you're sitting there like a bump on a log. You could smile at least. You know, we get excited, somebody's not as fired up about what we're involved in. And I love what Ryan shared about from his life and the battle of Romans 6, 7, and 8, and the challenge that each one of us faces in our life because we can relate to that battle whether the CHP saved us or God used somebody else. We're here today because we reached a moment in time where we just said, I I need Jesus. I, I can't do it on my own. And yet, as Paul writes the book of Romans, he's got this whole, you know, Basically, study of how awesome it is to be saved by faith. And then he gets to the end of the book and he says, all right, here's what it means. Here's practically how life should be different for you. And he gets to Romans 12. And this, that's what we're going to study today, Romans 12. And this is the practical section of why we should live differently because we're saved by faith. So Romans 12, starting in verse 1, he says, therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve. What God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so, you know, he takes us through Romans 6, 7, and 8, and then he talks a bit about how the Gentiles get grafted in, and the Jews need to repent, and salvation by faith is awesome. And then Romans 12, he goes, Because of all that, therefore, because of God's mercy in your life, in my life, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. It says, this is this your spiritual act of worship? And I love the, the footnote. It says, or reasonable. It says, this isn't for the Green Beret um, disciples. This is just reasonable. This is normal. This is just the way life ought to be. A living sacrifice. And then he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world by the way, point number one is get a spiritual mindset. Now, the whole concept here of not conforming the pattern of this world is a mold. You know, the mold is fixed. And then you have some kind of substance that you press into it or something that you pour into and then it solidifies. But the shape is set. By the mold and the concept right here of not conforming the pattern of this world is that the world already has its shape set. And as we live life throughout seven days and 24, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, the world is pushing you into its mold. You say, well, I didn't ask to be pushed into the world's mold. You don't get to cho- choose that. You know, the molten metal doesn't get to, to pick the mold it gets poured into. It just is. Now, God is trying to conform us, and they use that word as well, different passage, into the likeness of His Son. You see, there's two molds. But which one is going to have the impact on you? You see, I think oftentimes spiritually, we assume that because we go to church, because we pray, because we read our Bible, we have spiritually minded friends, that automatically means we're going to be molded into the likeness of His Son. You know, the world has a whole different plan for you, and the molding occurs on TV, on the radio. Uh, the newspaper, the magazines, and conversations, values, public opinion, what's popular in the neighborhood, at the workplace. you are getting molded all day long every day into the pattern of this world. And Paul says, when you stop that? we say, well, well, how can we? If we don't get to pick, he says, be a living sacrifice and you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, you know what the blahs are? It's when life is dull, it's boring. There's, you don't feel like there's anything exciting to look forward to. It's just kind of like, ah. Eh. You know, when your mind is transformed, you're excited. You're excited about your way of thinking. You're excited about the new discoveries you have, the new path, the new direction, your new insights, the applications to your life. But without the transformation of the renewing of the mind, our thinking will become bored all the time. We need a spiritual mindset. You know, in Russia, one of the things we talked a lot about was parenting. Uh, Because as we know, when our kids hit those teenage years, it's like, what do we do? It's terrifying. And if you figure out, let me know. I tell them what we did, what we did wrong, what we think we did right, what seemed to work, what didn't seem to work. What we thought was working, found out later it didn't. What we thought wasn't working and then later found out it was. I told them what my kids said, don't do as a parent. And I told them what my kids said, do do as a parent. You know what we talked about a lot? Is that it all starts at home. Because when your kids get to the age where you start thinking about them becoming Christians, it's so easy for a parent to go, okay, what's going on in our teen ministry? All right, Nate and Michelle, we're counting on you. Hey, I prayed for you. (laughs) Nate and Michelle are awesome. But amazing teen ministers will never overcome the effects... Of unspiritual parenting. They just assist what parents do. Now, God can work and move in all situations. But we got to have a, a spiritual mindset. We understand, hey, it starts at home. So where else do we need a spiritual mindset? Well, how about what... We're going to be back in Romans 12, by the way. But how about what Jesus says in, in Luke 16? Luke 16, verse 13. It says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who love money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you're the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men. But God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Wow. You probably won't hear that in Business 101 in Santa Clarita. Yeah, you know, we talk a lot about money and wealth in Russia because there's a lot of it. The economy is hard hit right now. And I remember in previous trips, the economy was booming. Russia has uh, just vast amounts of natural resources. Uh, and I remember it, there's been a transformation in that country over the last five, ten years, because for the first time, Russians can work hard and get wealthy. Before, for their whole life, they can work hard and you get the same as if you don't work hard. You can be a doctor. Or you can get paid the same as somebody who would dig ditches. I would ask, well, then why would you go to med school? And they said, simply for respect. But everybody made the same unless you were, you know, in the mafia or the government. So you could work hard. But you didn't get paid anymore. But now the economy's completely changed. And so the average uh, Moscovite working father gets home between 8 and 10 p.m. every night. Some of that is traffic, some of that is choice. And so this really started affecting families in the church. Started affecting time with the kids, time with spouses. We try and figure out how can you have a midweek service if they don't even get home till nine, ten o'clock at night? So almost all their ministering, you know, they have Bible studies and counseling appointments that go on during the weekdays, but all their main group meetings go on Saturdays and Sundays. Traffic there is crazy. Makes the 405 during rush hour look easy. But, you know, in the last year, especially, year and a half, the economy has been hard hit. Uh, 25% of the church have lost their jobs. This is in Moscow. And of the remaining three-fourths of the church, on average, they've lost 20% of their um, pay. And yet through that, Sergei said, the church has grown more than it has in the last 10 years. And the weekly contribution has increased every month. They said, it's a miracle of God. No, it's the hearts of disciples that are learning God's values. But you know what? We can drift and get pressed into the world's mold and you know where you can end up? Blah, blah, blah. You know, when you're seeking first the kingdom, when you're on the edge spiritually, I'll tell you one thing, life is never at that moment is boring. You're excited and you're motivated about the future. Spiritual mindset. Say, did your thinking resemble Jesus living in Santa Clarita? Or somebody from Santa Clarita that's added a little Jesus? You know, how would Jesus feel? How would he live? But if we're going to overcome the boss, we we got to get God's mindset on what life is all about. We've got to fight hard because we're swimming upstream. You say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Well, I promise you this, as soon as you leave those doors, the world is going to continue its molding process. You know, sometimes people study the Bible or they go, I want to take a little break from the church. Why evaluate what I'm going to do? You know what's amazing about that? is you never take a break from the world and its influence. So really all you're saying is, I want to take a step back from all positive molding. I just want to fully immerse myself in negative worldly molding, and then let's see what decision I make. No, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It started with being a living sacrifice. But say, who makes that decision? We do. It's only a decision you can make for yourself. Okay, I'm going to live that way. Say, but Ron, if I felt more motivated, then I would want to live sacrificially. I'd want to do that. Well, your decision to sacrifice comes from life based upon faith. Not because you get to live out the proof first and then make the decision. That's what faith is all about. The righteous will live by faith. So how spiritual is your mindset? You know, the second thing that we got to do, and this is back in Romans 12, is we got to get connected. One thing I found in my uh, ministry life, Is it the more mediocre I'm doing spiritually, the less connected I am to people? You go, well, Ron, you're a minister. You're around people all the time. Yeah, you can be around people all the time and not be connected at all. There's some of you today that feel absolutely lonely. There's hundreds of people in this room. But you're not connected. We start thinking things. Oh, I can't relate to anyone. There's no one like me. There's nobody who can help me. There's nobody that's going to be able to encourage me. I don't see anybody right in my age bracket from this situation and that. It's like, yeah, I don't see anybody. I can become a best friend. We got a room full of people, amazing people. But when we get disconnected, we start getting isolated. And in. Chapter 12 of Romans, starting in verse 3. Are you guys out there today? you kind of struggling with the blahs. Okay. You're a little quiet. I thought you might be jet lagged. <laughs> Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of, of faith God has given you just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Man, there's a lot in that section. But it's just be connected. You know, what, where does he start? He says humility. Prideful people are never connected. Yeah, I don't talk politics when I go to Russia. I don't really talk politics here either. But I got a kick out of it. You know, this is the one question the Russians wanted to know is Donald Trump going to be your next president? And I just smiled and said, I don't know. I said, well, but it'll be exciting to find out. And then go, yes, he's very exciting. Uh-huh. We got to get connected. You know, it's amazing how you can connect with people when you don't even speak the same language. When you have great humility. Um, I mean, it's been so awesome uh, going to Russia and just building friends with brothers and sisters over there. And after going now for almost a decade, you know, people that were little kids are now baptized. And, uh, you know, one of the staff couples saw their daughter and and, you know, and and I'm talking with her and. I said, I held you right after you were born. And she looked at her mom and she's like, yeah, he did. You know, it's like. Um, but, you know, you just get to watch the lives change. And whether you speak the same language or not, you know, love and humility is universal. And you just you bond and you spend time together and you leave and you feel like best friends, even though I didn't even totally know everything that they were talking about. Google Translator did. Um, that was awesome. Uh, but you can get connected. Uh, I want to encourage the church here because a year ago when I went, they wanted to know, tell me how to build friendships. Because they said, we have friends, but friendship building with strangers is weird by Russian standards. They said, if you just invite somebody over for dinner and you haven't been friends with them for a long time, people will look at you like, no. (laughs) And so last year I went over there and I just told them stories about you guys. I told them about lives that were changed, Uh, People who became Christians and, you know, just the friendships, whether it was a year or five years or 10 years or 20 years. And a year ago, they came up and they go, that's so awesome. We need this. It was amazing to go back this year. And I was at two different regions, about 800 uh, disciples. And people would come up and they'd go, we remember the stories that you told about Santa Clarita. This is my neighbor, and she's baptized now. Thank you for Santa Clarita. And it was story after story after story. It was just friendships, about getting connected. And they love it, and they're excited about what the future holds. But if you're going to do that, it takes humility. Because when you initiate a friendship, what if they don't want to be your friend? You know, like when you're a little kid, will you be my best friend? Sorry, I already have one. <laughs> and you're not it. Maybe tomorrow. the friendships in the kingdom of God are, are different. I, I remember my parents, they, they never understood dating, Christian dating. Because, you know, in the world you meet somebody and if you like them, have an even moderately OK date, then you kind of smother each other for weeks and months. So you decide if you really love each other or don't like each other. And then you're like <laughs> over next one. And so. You know, I'm I'm in Toronto and I'm going on these awesome dates with these campus sisters and life is good and but it's a different one every week and they'd be like, Hey, how's your date, mom and dad? How's your date? Oh, it was awesome. You know, we'll tell me about it. And I'd tell them they go see you going out with her tomorrow. No. <laughs> they said, Well, next weekend? No, and they're like, well, why not? I thought you said you had a great date. I did. It was amazing, but I'm going out with somebody else. They go, well, isn't she going to be mad? No, because she's going out with this guy. He's my roommate. <laughs> you know, they, they they would send their real questions through Mike. You know, that's what you do if you have a twin. You just ask the twin, and then Mike would be like, so is everything going all right, dating? I'm like... Mom and dad send you and he's like, huh, what do you think? Um, you know, they'd send Mike to spy out what was going on and then when they met Cheryl, they were fired up and they, they quit asking questions about that. But, um, you know, they couldn't quite get this. Like, how can you have all these great friends and people aren't offended with each other? I'm like, I don't know, but it's awesome and that's just the way it is. But are you connected? The Bible says that Each body has many members and it's in the family, we're all supposed to be connected. There's not much of a human body if you only, it's made up of just one part. I like how our body looks. I got to say, you guys are like a spiritual six pack. Yeah, you guys are awesome. This is a phenomenal group. We love this church. You know what makes it great? We're connected. We know each other. But when you get the Bloss, even in a room of 300 people, you start going, ah, uh, I just kind of feel by myself. You know, you take a part of the body and separate it from the body. It doesn't do well. And Paul says, hey, we belong to all the other members. You know what that means? Your connection is not yours alone. He says, hey, we have the right to be connected to you. So I don't feel like being connected to you. So what? The Bible says that you have to be connected to me because you belong to all of us. We all belong to each other. There's obligations to being in this family. That's what Paul says. If you don't have humility, that's going to be offensive to you. That's going to be a threat. But with humility, you go, that's awesome. I love it. And then he says, hey, whatever gifts you have, you should be using them to build up the body. We all have talents. Some of us have more than others. We all got talents. Are you using what God has given you to build up the church? Who benefits because of what you're good at? Paul says, you want to be motivated? Hey, all of us should benefit from each other. What skills do you have? He says, whatever it is, man, use it. Do something awesome. Encourage somebody. He says, honor one another above yourselves. You know, the honor is to show respect. It's as to who? One another. You treat each other the way you would want to be treated. So that's the way we need to love. We need to be connected. It's serving. You know, at the end, sometimes being connected is just doing the dirty work. But that what makes the difference. Who are your closest friends now? Who do you feel the most connected with? The people who've done the dirty work in your life when you needed it the most and deserved it the least. And that's who you feel connected to now. Say, are you using your gifts? Humility, how connected are you right now? If you feel stagnant, initiate. Find somebody, the fellowship, and say, let's schedule it. Do not say, hey, we ought to get together. Yeah, we ought to. Okay, cool. No, get your calendar and say, here's when we're going to get together. Put it in your phone. Get it set. But invest. Don't wait to be initiated with. You be the giver. You go out of your way to serve. Get connected. Final thing we got to do Yeah, a lot of times when I'm not doing great spiritually, because I feel depressed. I say, well, what, what do I feel depressed about? You know what I realized is depression is an apathy is actually anger or bitterness that's unresolved. And it sits there and it churns around in the heart. And, and then it just oozes out. And we're not connected with God because we got this block. Sometimes it's sin that somebody has committed against us, and we want to hang on. And yet, when we choose to not forgive, when we choose to take revenge, we're actually damaging our heart or rather theirs. You know, forgiveness does not mean forget. No, it means. You acknowledge the sin, but you let go of the offense. So it no longer has a hold on you. When we forgive, it breaks the effect it's having on our own heart. You're depressed? You're bitter? Need to get resolved. Have the talks. You say, Well, I'm afraid. Have the talks. I don't know how they're going to respond. Have the talks. We must or Satan will have a field day on the inside of our hearts. You know, sometimes getting resolved isn't with a person, but we're depressed about our life situation. And let's look at a few different verses. Go to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. Verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Sometimes we're not resolved about our situation. Well, I worked hard. I studied hard. I did this. I've got more skills. I'm a better athlete. I'm this. I'm that. And look at what happened. The problem says a heart at peace about our situation. It gives life. Envy rots the bones. You know what happens when we're unresolved about our situation? There's somebody else's situation that we look at and we go, I should add that. But it takes a toll on the heart and on the body. Look at uh, the next book in Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. Expands a little more on this concept. Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. Solomon says, And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. The fool folds his hands and ruins himself. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and a chasing after the wind. Sometimes we need to get resolved about our life situation because we can have peace with what we have. We say, but I want more. I want double what I got. The psalmist says, oh, you can have it. Now, you can have peace with that one handful. But I want a double portion. He says, well, there's a cost to a double portion. He says, toil and chasing after the wind. You know, I was talking with a young man who's, who's uh, thinking about buying a house. And he goes, yeah, you know, because... It's just like, I just hate pouring rent money down the drain. And I just need to be able to, you know, if we can just own that house, that'll just be a good thing. And I said, yeah, unless we have an earthquake. He's like, well, what do you mean? They go, well, you know what happens if you're renting and you have an earthquake? (laughs) The landlord loses everything. Now, I'm a big believer in owning a home. We own our house. I'm I'm happy. I think it's a great investment to be able to make. On the other hand, we assume that certain things are automatic. Sometimes we can be at peace and then our desire to have more puts us in a situation where we are stressed out of our mind and we can't enjoy the two handfuls that we finally achieved say like, are you resolved or is there turmoil on the inside you see paul says hey don't take revenge listen basically god's god's in control yeah people got to sin against you it's not right but god would deal with them but if you try and take matters into your own hand It will crush you. Hebrews 12 says, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. You know, bitterness is the sin of older Christians. We live life and we feel like, hey, God should have given me this. I committed to him. What's going on? I deserve this. And bitterness can take us out. Bitterness can make us apathetic. Bitterness can make us cynical. We lose our motivation. Why? Hey, I've given myself to God and what did he give me? You know, Paul says salvation by faith is the way to go. And he says when we have a spiritual mindset, when we're connected, when we're resolved, we're going to have so much passion and fire and motivation in our life. He says, this was what salvation by faith is supposed to produce. You go, why does it feel so hard sometimes? Remember where we started? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. The world is trying to squish you into its mold. But God says, No, I got a different one for you. It's awesome and it's vibrant. Amen. I mean, I don't know how you feel when you read that in Romans 12. Never be lacking in zeal. Never. Never, ever. That's a challenge. Next time you're feeling discouraged, read that. Never be lacking in zeal. You say, how is that possible? Oh, you got God's mindset. If you're connected to people and you're resolved on the inside. You'll be motivated. Not every day will be perfect. But you have a lot of fire in your belly. I want to encourage everybody here. God wants us motivated, energized. Why? Because the life that he sent Jesus to die on the cross was nothing close to blah. He says, no, I came to give you life and life to the full. Let's put these things into practice. Let's live with that fire and that passion and that zeal. It takes a spiritual mindset. It takes getting connected with people. And it takes getting resolved. It's great to be back with you. Let's enjoy one more song and then a great fellowship together. Amen.